Hello, I'm Katherine Stanley, Chair of the Organizational and Leadership Psychology Department at William James College. We are educating organizational psychology professionals to assist leaders and their companies in meeting their goals while creating thriving and vibrant internal workplace cultures. Our graduates work in for-profits and not-for-profits in all industries, from large and boutique consulting firms to military and government. For those of you who are new to our podcast series, Leadership Hacks, it will air once a month to examine timely topics and current events through the lens of organizational and leadership psychology. By sharing the psychology that influences individuals, teams, and whole systems, we endeavor to help you shift your thinking and see the world in a new way. With this new perspective, you can discover innovative approaches to solving the complex problems all business professionals face. We hope the insights offered by our experts are helpful to you as you tune in. Hi everyone, welcome to William James Leadership Hacks podcast. I'm happy to speak today with uh, Dr. Lisa Wyatt. She recently graduated from our Graduate Certificate of Executive Coaching Program. Her PhD is in Higher Education Administration. She's worked extensively in public higher education as an administrator and leader. Prior to that, she worked for the New York City Department of Corrections, designing their educational programs with a primary focus on adolescents, women, and substance abusers. Today, she works as an executive coach in addition to consulting to leaders in higher education. So it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, So we were talking about the temperament of leaders and how that impacts their organizations and performance. And of course, we see so much going on in the world right now with the election and leadership changes all around the globe. You know, Brexit was a really interesting uh, example of a leader who gave it to the system and the system, you know, changed it so that they couldn't lead anymore. So uh, leadership's tricky to say the least. Yes, it is. Um, and you've been a leader yourself in organizations and now you're consulting to them in the executive coaching role as well as you've been an interventionist. Um, so, you know, what we were talking about earlier, sometimes as leaders we feel the position, uh, I, the being in the leadership position is a challenge, and it challenges our own competencies as well as our own psychology. Yes. Yeah. And the idea that we can we join organizations in hopes that we're going to rise to leadership positions, and it changes when you're an outside person coming into an organization or you're an internal candidate and you're being promoted to a higher position. And I have been in both of those positions where I've come in from the outside into an organization. I think uh, most recently, and I'm, recent is a relative term, but even during the last 10 or 15 years of my career, and I've been in higher ed, working as a higher ed administrator for over 20 years. So the last 15 years I've been working in Massachusetts as a higher education administrator. And in one particular instance where this topic really resonated with me was I was working at uh, an institution, a community college here in Massachusetts, and I was hired as a dean. And at the time, I I remember being how elated I was to have secured that level of a leadership position where I could actually have influence over the curriculum, working with faculty, helping them to be creative, trying to work with the community to bring them into the organization because that isn't in, in a, the real essence of a community college. And 
Shortly after arriving at that institution, literally a year into that position, I was promoted to being what was called an Uber Dean because I not only had responsibility over one specific uh, area, but I then became responsible for three academic divisions because there was a massive retirement and the, mm. the college wanted to save money. And now here it is, two years into my tenure at that organization, I then was asked to apply for and was promoted to the position of Vice President of Academic Affairs. Nice. And yes, it was quite nice, <laughs> or at least I thought so. Yeah. Um, but I soon learned that as much as I was competent, as much as I knew the organization, as much as I thought that I knew the individuals within that organization and felt that we had been working well together and we could continue to work well together, I was not ready for that next leap into leadership. And I didn't have anyone at that time to consult with that jump. I was too busy feeling good about the fact that I had made this leap that I didn't really consider all of the implications of making that leap. It's sort of being a prophet in your own right. land. Uh, the president who had clearly promoted me to that position, I thought was my supporter. And in essence, he was looking for someone who was already comfortable and seasoned in the role. And I clearly, in a short order, demonstrated to myself that I was not comfortable in the role. And again, it had nothing to do with competency. It had to do with my own personal and professional development and how I saw myself in that role and who I wanted to be. And having an opportunity to discuss that with people, your colleagues, these are all things that are very important. I think we lose sight of it. And it's then we get cool that you knew that though. Because sometimes people are in the role and that is the case and they don't know it, but things aren't going well and they're just getting more and more stressed without even the insight to say, ooh, I bit off more than I could chew. Right. 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 So you had, at least you had the self-awareness to go, uh, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> I did yeah. have that. Yeah. But I didn't know what the, how to, the direction to take it in yeah. or literally the why of it. Yeah. And I did spend a lot of time. And I think what's really key is the idea that you try to have some self-awareness. Right. And as you and I both know, there are many leaders of many types yes. of organizations right. who do not have <laughs> self-awareness <laughs> and come across as being overly confident yeah. and don't reflect on the practices yes. that they're bringing with them to that leadership position that may no longer work. That's right. Is that before you went into the executive coaching program? Yes. This ah, was before I came into to <laughs> Exactly right. So what did you do? Well, <laughs> I did hire an executive coach. Yeah. I did, before doing that, I sought out therapy because I thought this is this is me. I'm, right. It's I, it's my own insecurities. It's my it's my own inability to recognize the things that I do well. That other people ha are recognizing mm -hmm. that I do well, but that I didn't want to accept that I do well because right. I wasn't. I didn't feel that I was being successful in the role. But at the same time, I didn't want to project an image of being insecure. Right. Because one of the most telling things that came across during that period in my life was my boss, the president of that institution, one day he said to me, you know, 
your moods transfer to mm -hmm. the moods of those who report to you. Right. And I'm a very upbeat person. Right. And I found myself not being upbeat, having days where I was brutish, or having days where I probably was mildly depressed. <laughs> um, uh, I hate to admit it, but I, I think it was true. And the people who reported to me became, I wouldn't say they became depressed, but they became less open. Mm. They, it was not as easy to converse with them as it had been in my previous roles within the organization. Previously, as dean, as uber dean, I used to walk the hallways, I would have casual conversations with faculty, and as you know, it's sort of, that's the way you can find out the most that's going on within an organization. And particularly higher ed in Massachusetts, it's a very, it, it's unionized, mm -hmm. public higher education is unionized. And so a lot of times you can resolve conflict quite informally Before by exactly yeah. doing those hallway, yeah. having those hallway conversations or informally stopping in a faculty member's office and sitting down with them and just saying, so how are yeah, things going? <laughs> uh, and uh, that especially works well with senior faculty and when you're in an administrative position. But I think that it's interesting to think that, um, and I love it that you're sharing a thing that was hard because it happens. Any leader who has doesn't have a story like this just isn't telling you their story. Yes. <laughs> we all have them. Yes. Um, but there's also the systems view too. So I I always default on the side of what is it in me that I can change and fix, yes. you know, or gear to try and be a better leader and be a better person, but. There's also the system, and what I know from you know, 20 years of studying systems psychology is that that impacts you just as much as you impact it, right? And in the leader role, you're in that big role, like your boss said, your mood translates down. Right. But that translation, even in the role, like you said, you could walk the halls and, and people say, hey, how are you doing? So like a bad mood shouldn't have changed their, their openness and their safe feeling around you. But when you hit the highest level of leadership role, you had attained it did change right and that's Absolutely. not you because you were still just you right right but, but they have system change yeah other characteristics to the position right. negating the person who was occupying right. the position so lisa got like you know there's a, a transparent sort of wall around you in a way right, right? right. it's a weird it's a fascinating thing right and so can you say a little bit more about that experience well the interesting part from, and that's absolutely right, because the interesting part for the leader, again, particularly in an organization where you already have established relationships, those are individuals that maybe in your previous roles you would sit down with and say, oh, I'm dealing with this problem, or oh, there's this conflict, uh, you know, can we, yeah. can we talk about it, can I get your take on it? But then here, now you're in a higher position, you can't do that. Right. You can't share those things. And you certainly don't want to do something in a way that even tries to camouflage the players mm -hmm. or the, because they know what's going on in the organization and again you're trying to get them to see you in a different role right. and that then becomes the challenge because that's where they can see you as the individual and then that's where they begin to separate separate out the fact that you're in a position and in this specific case and I'm, I'm certain this applies to others because obviously I've thought a lot about this since this time and uh, I've changed a lot of my own behaviors and I've talked with other people in similar situations is that what precedes you mm -hmm. so I mean it's probably not the best analogy but a, a simple analogy is if someone has unfortunately gone through a divorce 
in your next mate. You tend to look for all the qualities mm -hmm. that you didn't have in the mate that you just divorced. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that first couple relationships right after that divorce generally aren't going to be the good relationships. It's going to take time. Exactly. <laughs> and the same applies for these types of positions. Mm -hmm. In this specific case, the administrator who held the position prior to the time oh, I served it. So you're allegating the system to the divorcee. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because okay. that person who held that position prior mm -hmm. established a certain tone right. and promulgated a certain cultural climate yeah. and people assumed that that would carry over right. into the next leader even though they had input in choosing that next leader right. and again and would you. seek out qualities yeah. that were not in the leader before yeah. that they claimed they didn't like. So it's such a setup. It is. Right? Because <laughs> whenever you attain a new leadership position it's always a challenge because even if say you've been a CEO and you go to another company and you're a CEO, it's still another company, a whole yes. different system. Yes. But then on top of it, the system is going, well, we liked our other leader psychologically, right? They're like, we're used to this. We don't want to change. We don't have to learn a different way of being. We knew what the ex implicit unspoken rules were. And now here you are, a loved person in the system, but suddenly you're at this level of leadership and because of the confidentiality and the purview, you can't share as much as you used to. So you're isolated right it's very isolating and that's that's another big point is yeah. to really recognize that leaders are going to be isolated they are sort of off in the corner yeah. and we talk about it you take any leadership course leadership right. 101 mm -hmm. they talk to you about trying to create some kind of a balance yeah. so that you don't you're not perceived as not being transparent right. or not perceived as not being approachable but you're not their friend right right and you should not be inviting them over for coffee to have you know social engagements and the the dynamics of your relationship will change yeah. and you need to accept that but it is a very fine line of not alienating those individuals who you used to call friend right and who are now individuals who you supervise and they need to see you in that kind of position because there's going to be hard decisions to make. There's going to be hard conversations that need to be had. And if they see you as being their friend, that's not going to be successful. And you're not going to feel that it was successful. And you're not going to be doing your job. You're making me think about how, um, about the psychological container, something we call when we're facilitating a group, yes. that you want to create boundaries so that people feel safe, especially when you do leadership development work, as you know, you want them to feel safe being able to disclose or work on what they're working on, but also when people work at a job, they need to feel safe that, you know, it's their bread and water, right? That I'm able to go to work and keep my job and keep my safety. And so in a way, the leader, in that role, you ascend it to a new level, a different role in creating a new psychological container, right? You've got, you inherited one, and now you're holding it. You know, and you're holding it in your way, which is fine, but it's so sensitive, isn't it? Yes, and that container, the, the people are vulnerable yeah. because they were very trusting previously, and now they're wondering if they can still sustain that same yeah. level of trust. And so clearly their behavior is going to change relative to that. Right. And, and as they're checking you out, too, yes. higher, the stakes are raised, so they right. might even be acting differently than they just would anyway as well. Right. Because everybody's a little slightly 
the anxiety is higher. Absolutely. Change. Absolutely. This is the anxiety to change. There's always anxiety to change. Right. Even if it's for the better. Right. right? Someone wanted to retire. You were tried and true, and they loved you, a high performer, and so hey, this is a change for the better. But right. Even so, that anxiety still. It still right. increases. Yeah. And one of the best reactions to that, and if you can call it a reaction or responses to that, is to acknowledge it. Yes, name yeah. it. Absolutely. You know, don't let it be the elephant in the yeah. room. Just put it out there, front and center, as yeah. quickly as you can as a new leader. And I didn't know that then. Uh, I've learned this that is since the then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is, I've learned that since then. Um, I, even after that, I became the provost at another community yeah. college here in Massachusetts. And I, after reflecting, after having some downtime to do some other kinds of things, that's when I got into consulting, was in between those two yeah. um, leadership positions, was to really reflect on these exact kinds of things. How do you establish who you want to be as a leader? We always ask that question. In coaching, we ask that question. In management, we ask that question. Who is it that you want to be? We often ask people to delve into their backgrounds and to say, what characteristics of a good supervisor or leader that you've observed or read about can you hold on to that you might want to exhibit yourself? And I don't know that I had those kinds of role models. And in some ways, I felt robbed because yeah. I was like, OK, who should you be thinking about? And then I thought, no, I have to insert my own personality. Yeah. And in this case, I was coming from a very uh, New York environment <laughs> where uh, being effusive, being um, sort of uh, high energy. Yes, <laughs> very good, very good terms. High energy was. That wasn't a problem. That was a welcomed sort of experience for people to have. And then I come to an environment that is very provincial, yeah. a very low key. And at the time, I was it, it, I was the first minority mm. administrator that this institution had ever hired. So there was the pressure of that. Right. Um, because all eyes were on you, yeah. um, and I know it seems and kind of weird. Right? <laughs> right, you can hold a different set of projections around right. people's biases and their exactly right. you know, unconscious biases that now they're suddenly experiencing. Right, right? If they have them, what they were raised with. Right, I had youth on my side. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which also in higher ed seems yes. to be like there's a lot of reverse ageism in higher Absolutely. ed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And there weren't that many, there weren't women around the table, right, quite right. frankly. That's so there, there was a lot of dynamics. Men. And it's yeah. changing. Yes. And, and that's a great thing. Yeah. But at this time, that wasn't the case. And as much as I was shocked by that, given the fact that it's Massachusetts and, you know, we're I know, supposed to be very progressive. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It really, it wasn't yeah. that way. So these are dynamics. And naming stuff is hard here. It's impossible. Like, I came from California, and just when I, I moved companies, so in my company out there, you walk down the hall and people say, hey, hi. And I think it's Massachusetts, though, because I was just in Rhode Island. People say hi in Rhode Island all the time. <laughs> but uh, so I would come, I came to my company here, and I was walking down the hall, I had my badge on, and I'd be like, hi, you know, to whoever in the hallway. And they would look at me like I had three heads, mm -hmm. like frown, like, mm -hmm. what are you doing, mm -hmm. you know? It's very, very, so then to name, like you're saying, to name stuff is even harder because you don't talk about stuff. Right. You know, it's interesting. And people are in denial. Yes. And they don't want to accept that this could be 
the perception yeah. or even the reality because they don't want to think of themselves in that it's way. It's so progressive, you have to be so PC and you know, I'm not like that. Right, yeah. exactly. So that immediately their defenses yeah. you know, shoot out, if you will, and rise to the top. And so that becomes a focal point. And that's when I started to, if you think about it, even in our, in our brief conversation so far, there's so many things going on. Yeah. How can one person manage that? You can't. Right. And to know how to ask for help, where to go to yeah. ask for help, and then how to sift through the help that you need, how yeah. to prioritize how you're going to attack each one of these situations while still continuing to do your job right. and to have a life. I mean, it becomes very, it becomes more complex than certainly I realized at that stage in, in my career. And quite frankly, I thought at that point I was fairly accomplished. Yeah. And because I you were. I mean, this is yeah. the classic case though yeah. in terms of technically in my role, I'm really good at it. Yes. And so then I get promoted to the next role. Right. Because I've mastered this area really well and relationships and everything, and then you get to the next role and it's a totally different field. Right. And that learning curve sometimes isn't really acknowledged. Right. You know, there's not mentoring to say, you're in a big learning curve. You know what I mean? And take time to think about these things because you're hitting the ground running with policy and getting programs out and et cetera, et cetera. You know? So I think there's really something to this about the amount of time you have to take to not only reflect, but then say, what's what's happening psychologically? You know, that's like a dirty word in organizations, but what is happening psychologically to myself and to people around me? You know, in terms of this impact of this change on everybody that the system has slightly changed. Right. And having the organization take some responsibility yes, for it, not just you. That's what I think is missing. And I don't think it matters what kind of organization you're in. Yeah. I mean, clearly we're talking higher ed, but you know, I've worked in the public sector, I've yeah. worked in private. It, it's all the same. We, the organization doesn't want to acknowledge that. They expect that you're going to come in and you're going to rise to the to the occasion. Yeah. And for most leaders certainly you know eight personality types we are we're going to figure it out we're going to beat ourselves right. up and we're going to rise to the occasion at personal cost though at tremendous yes. personal cost and i it's particularly in higher ed there are many leaders who we say oh they got squeezed out mm -hmm. and that a lot of them would be you know first-time presidents for right. example again there's no support system they're looking to their board for support and if they haven't identified a true friend on that board, they may fail in their yeah. first presidency. Fortunately, people get an opportunity to bounce, bounce back in most instances, right. but not all. Right. And it be, can become a very devastating and life-changing experience because you start to say to yourself as a professional, have I gone down this the wrong pathway? Yeah. You know, this is, I've been working hard all these yeah. years to, to put myself in this position, and now that I've achieved it, what am I really doing wrong? And as much as it's the self-awareness piece and the self-reflection, you need outside. You need somebody from the outside looking in yeah. to give you a perspective that you can't see when you're in That's it. Right. This is why coaching is like a billion dollar Absolutely. Industry. And sadly, it's often after the fact versus here's your coach when you started. Absolutely. We should be much smarter. Right. You know, we'd go to the dentist for the same reason, but we don't do it with other things, you know. So I always love to get to the point where you know, what to do. So what can a leader do? But not just a leader, but what can a leader do in their system to help the system adjust? Because as we've, I think we've identified, it's pretty 50-50. Oh, yes. You have your own stuff going yes, on. Yes, yes, But the yes. system is doing it. Maybe it's more like 
35. <laughs> the system is definitely weighing and projecting onto the leader as much as in putting the leader in that petri dish. That's mm-hmm. why your emotions are amplified and etc. Um, so, and I know this one technique the army created is called new leader assimilation. Mm-hmm. And you go, and you have those lovely conversations, and that's but that's like it's it's definitely a start, but it's right at the tip of the iceberg of one of the behavioral things you can do. So, I think a number of things. I think one is. Um, sustainability Mm. so if you have some type of onboarding Mm. and we don't generally think of that in terms of leaders especially internal leaders right they're already here they know our system exactly yeah and it's not only about knowing systems but it's being able to negotiate the challenges that we have been talking about in terms of change of people's perceptions change of your own perceptions your own expectations etc so looking at our onboarding for executive leaders in a different way. And I think coaching clearly can be a really good tool uh, in helping someone, whether they're coming from the outside or whether they are an internal person, because we don't see ourselves the way that other people see us. I think the other piece of it is we always talk about this idea of having a honeymoon period. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just talk right. because people are hired and they're expected to perform right away. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's unfair. Sure. And true. I think that the organization ends up suffering as much yeah. as the individual ends up suffering because they don't give a person that opportunity yeah. to do a thorough listening tour. Yeah. That's what they're doing. The walking about, the really getting to know and to ask the hard questions, to really go deeper in an organization. Give yourself time to do that. And don't beat yourself up when you don't have the immediate successes that you think that you're supposed to have. Reflect on what you're perceiving as not being a success and seeing what could you have done differently, what questions should you have asked before jumping into a decision, for example. That is critical. And don't think that because you're maybe backtracking a little bit that you are not going to be successful or that you're not competent. Allow yourself that opportunity Take to do that risk. research. Test things. Yes. Yeah, I know it's true. And I think sometimes leaders come into it because the old leader failed and so they're hitting the ground with a crisis yes. situation. Yes. But it's so true. One of the best leaders I had said take your first six months just to get to know the company. Yes. And they were really light about not throwing a million things at me. And then people started to come to me and then I got to know the company. But he said, it's going to take you six months to learn us. And then when you think you've learned us, it's going to take you another six months to really learn us. Because right. yeah, it's an 80,000-person company. But like the other data I know is like it's better to start people on a Wednesday, for example, <laughs> because you know they're so stressed by Friday. Like We underestimate, like I'm in a new system. You know, If you look at any toddler going to a new school or playground, you know, you want to hang on to what's familiar, and you can't, and you're out there, and it's hugely draining. Yes, you know, yeah. it's the same with adults, like in a new role especially. The pressure's really high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ask for forgiveness and offer forgiveness. Right, right. yeah. And so allowing them to take risks and yeah. be tolerant of their learning curve and exactly. acknowledging there's a learning curve. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. I think it's great when um, somebody as accomplished as yourself can share the real journey right there's a lot of people out there talking about successes and here's this but you know those successes are often messier than we like to oh you know what I mean absolutely (laughs) and the successes I think what I at this stage in my life what I identify as success success is learning from my mistakes exactly 
and not making those same mistakes. You make new mistakes, but not making those same mistakes. Exactly. That to me is the success. That's the personal growth that we're all looking for. And it leads to prof professional growth because you're willing to open yourself up to new experiences. It necessitates making that priority to look and go, what can I learn from this? And that yes. takes time. Yes. Could take 20 minutes, could take a half an hour, but it takes time. Yes. And the discipline to say, I'm gonna take that time. Yes, Yeah. absolutely. Lisa, it's so great to have you here. Thank you for um, having me. <laughs> and um, thanks to everybody who's listening to our podcast. I really appreciate your comments. It's on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Um, and you can find it at the William James College Organizational and Leadership Psychology homepage. Um, I'm really happy to report that Dr. Lisa Wyatt is teaching in our Leadership ID program this spring and will be probably taking on a bigger role too. So I'm delighted that you're joining the team. So if you want to learn more from Dr. Wyatt, please visit our uh, web pages. Thanks Thank so you much. very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this month's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you found it interesting. To listen to future editions, please subscribe to our SoundCloud and iTunes channels. To find out our next topic, follow us on Twitter at WilliamJamesEDU or visit the Organizational and Leadership Psychology main page at William James College.